Hello. Hi. Hi. Do you realize you were talking to me? Hello. Hello. And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. him. Oh. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Beige Bitch by Emily Carr, The Whisper by Brody Murray, and Grass by Ryan Henry and Bronte Locke. Oh, fantastic. What a treat. I'm so excited. Such a thrill. Still part of the fringegasm. Fringe. Fringe. The, the fringe zit of Oz. The fr- Ooh, that's not Ooh. bad. Uh, Pirates of the Fringebean. Yes, Curse of the Fringe Fringe. Uh, dead fringes tell no fringes. I've heard that. Mm. Um, yes, Jeffrey Fringe. <laughs> Is that going to be Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer? Rush? No, oh, okay. instead of Jeffrey Rush from Pirates. I'm used to you talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Or Land Fringe Bloom Fringe. Oh! Uh, here we are, fringe, almost over for us. Oh my god, yeah, oh my god, don't get, but no, we can't do that thing where we fall into the trap of like, preempting the closure to the point where the, the work feels especially arduous. Okay, well you, then, forget you know, it's almost over, guys. But you know that It's gonna thing, go on forever. But you, you're familiar with that thing where it's like, you act mm. as if, you like you start reflecting on something even though you're only like three quarters of the way through it, and then you're like, oh, we still have to do more of this thing, whatever it is. Sure, yes, I've definitely been like in like, a younger person, a cr- you know when, Younger people in musicals are just all batshit insane. What? Younger, like, 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 I'm talking about like high school musicals. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Unlike the second last show, everyone, everyone's like, guys, <laughs> we're only going to do this three more times. And it's mm. just like, yeah, Shelly, we are. Sure. And that's fine. Uh-huh. Um, yes, that sort of but at least then, at least they're like clinging to what they have left, you know? Clinging. You, you know, it's like, oh, well, at least we have that one show, but... Um, but yeah, but if you're doing the thing where it's like, oh, it's Thursday, and you start thinking about the weekend, and then it's like, ugh, I still have to get through Friday. I'm actually a part-time worker, so a Thursday is my Friday. I actually work two different hospitality jobs, and three if you count the catering company that never fired me. So you're your own boss. I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Must be nice. Anyway, but yes, I'm enjoying this. I am so glad we still have shows left to talk about. Same. Yeah. And then, even when we are done with Fringe, we already have more shows to talk about. Theatre will continue. It endures. <laughs> yes, despite all those supervillains trying to stop us. Despite everything I've tried to do. Mm. Um, yeah, so how was your week? What's been up? What's been happening? Tell oh me God. all the gods. What's even happened? I guess a high point of it was we had like a staff party thing. That cool. we did for one of the re- like the one of the restaurant things that I work at. Fun, which was cool. It was like a long, dramatic evening. It was sufficiently goofy, sufficiently rife with anecdotes, sufficiently funky. Any of them PG enough to tell on this podcast? Um, um, no. Oh, <laughs> I was about to say no. Mostly but, fisting. No, I can't mostly really fisting. talk about. It. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it was cool. Great. It was cool. Yeah, no, just a good chance to, you know, spend more time with people off the clock, you know? Nice. That is nice to yeah, be yeah. friends with your work friends out of work. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, good on you. know, and making sure that it was like a, a real functional friendship and it didn't just work when we were complaining about, you know, the kitchen being rude to Guacamole. us. Guacamole. Yeah. Like yeah. fucking, you know, customers being elitist, you know? That is a quick, it's a good way to make friends though. Oh my God. Yes. Conspiring oh. to chump on the wealthy. Yes. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. It brings people together. How was your week? My week was fine. What have I done this week? Uh, my housemate Imogen was in like a bartending competition, uh, so I went to like watch that on the Tuesday, which is kind of fun. What does that look like? It's like a, it's like a, it's like six bar tar benders, tar bender, uh, six bartenders. Uh, they go in pairs at the start, and they're given. So the way it worked was they pair off, three goes, and they would have ten minutes to sell as many of a drink as they could and make them all in that time. Okay. So Imogen. 
went through to the next round, which was the winner of all those three rounds. There'd be three of them. I had left by this point because I had work very early the next day. Okay. But I understand they were given a mystery box of ingredients and they had to make just like a good cocktail with that box of ingredients. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not sure what the third and final round was. Okay. But Imogen came second overall, which is like fucking great. Mm -hmm. So that was my Tuesday. And then I guess the rest of the week has just been... I've been on, like, front reception at work, so I've been, like, the actual receptionist, which has been kind of nice. Okay. Um, Who is your go-to, like, pop cultural touchstone of receptionist? Oh, um, oh, Devil Wears Prada. Um, what's her name? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. I know she's not technically a receptionist, but she's who I go to. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think of her. Make everything perfect. Okay. Is what I imagine. Why do you have one? Well, I, for some reason, have, like, the woman from Becca. Becca. Becca, it was that fucking... Oh, I always forget his name. The grumpy guy that I think was in Cheers. Ted Danson. Uh Ted Danson was a doctor in, I think, New York City. The best place to be a doctor. He was a grumpy doctor. The whole thing was he was just like a curmudgeon. And he had like a dumb receptionist lady. And also a blind friend. Oh! (laughs) When was this filmed? Um, I think late 90s, early 2000s. They also like went to a bar all the time. And there was like a sassy, beautiful woman running the bar. And then at some point, I think season three, they just replaced her. And I don't know if they acknowledged it or if she just suddenly looked like a whole different actress. Oh, she replaced the actress, but it was the same character. I can't remember. I wasn't that into Becca, but somehow the the woman that played the receptionist, whose name I've forgotten, but I'm guessing Linda, (laughs) was because she was also in Saw 2. That's the connection. That's the... No. That you know. That's how you remember who she is. Well, Saw no, two. no. Like, she, she was stuck in my, mar- like, in my she mind. She was in regardless. Saw 2 as in she was in the original Saw and you're saying that she was in that movie as well? Or no, she was in Saw, Saw 2 as in Saw, Saw the Deuce, second? As in Saw the follow-up to the first beloved. Ah. Yes. She was the one who got thrown into the pit of syringes. <gasps> oh! Oh! Uh, yeah, horrible. I'm the sort of person I've watched a lot of YouTube breakdowns of Saw because I can't watch them because in year nine, when I did like an elective film unit, my teacher at the time, Miss Wood, who I hated back then, but if you're listening, I like her. Yeah. I think she's great and sassy. <laughs> but she made us watch Saw when we were in year nine That's and insane. I nearly passed out. With yeah. permission from your parents? No. Nope. <laughs> Got a lot of angry letters. One of them from my mum. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, Saw was also sprung on me as well. I feel like I was in year... Oh, I want to say like nine, maybe. Yep. And I was at a, like a like a friend's birthday party at his house. Oh, classic. And everyone was just like, "Okay, fellas, let's sit around and watch Saw." And I was like, "What the fuck is Saw?" And, and then we're learned. watching it, <laughs> and my mind changed forever. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, yeah, I I, I heard bells because I was like passing, like I had to like leave the room because I started to faint. Sure. Bad. Yeah, I just never experienced a concept like that before. Yeah, full on. And I of course fell in love with it immediately. You know what I left at the when that guy was running through the barbed wire. Oh, sure. Like, and that was even just a few seconds. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, Christ. Yeah. Really, even then you're like, this is not for James. This is not it. Not yeah, enough dragons. Yeah. Not enough elves. There we go. Not enough elves. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings series is wrapped. I loved it. Great. Um, it wrapped as in like it's done forever? Wrapped for season one. They've got five planned. Oh my God. Yeah, so many rings. Is it so a, many rings. Is it a ring per season? I don't know how they're going to do it. I assume... <laughs> I'm a person. <laughs> the first season was about the Rings of Power by the Elves. The three Rings of Power. I assume... Because they got the seven Dwarven Rings to go. And they've got, they're have got gearing up for a lot of... There the, are not seven Dwarves. There are seven... There's, like... Like, with Snow lots White. Lots of Dwarves. Yeah. Oh, I never even thought about that. What ring did Grumpy get? The Ring of Power. I don't know what... I didn't have a joke for you. I'm still computing. Maybe the Rings is what gave them their qualities. Oh. Maybe, like, how Smeagol got anorexic and sweaty... Maybe the rings made, you know, dopey, dopey. You know, I used to have a really weird sexual attraction to dopey. Oh. And I used to want to legally change my name to dopey. 
Dope. That's real. That's My true. youngest sister also had a real allegiance with Dopey. Oh, which sister? My youngest one. Oh, yeah. Yes, I forgot about Oh, my witch sister. Witch sister. Why Dopey for you? Uh, I don't know. I cannot remember. I only remember wanting to be Dopey and also wanting to be with Dopey. To be with Dopey mm. and to be Dopey. Mm-hmm. Because was it about him being the comic relief? Was it about no one expecting much of when him? When I tell you, I cannot remember. I, I barely remember the movie at all. I don't even remember what Dopey looks like now. Have you ever been with someone who was like Dopey in retrospect? Every time I look in a mirror. Do you think you're quite... I think I'm a dopey guy. You're a dopey guy. Yeah. Um, no, I've never been... I'm not particularly attracted to dopey, dopey, dope, dope. Mm. I think I am the dopey, dope, dope. Okay. I'm, I'm the silly big bonk, you know? Sure. Okay. Um, so maybe I have become dopey. How old was dopey? How old were any of the dwarves? Well, a lot of them had beards, so they're at least 15. <laughs> but well, that's the thing that they age differently to... Humans? But they had like great beards. No, but Lord of the Rings. be careful in the sense of like, dwarves are real. <laughs> like if we're going with dwarves as being little people, there are real little people. So just be ready to... I always thought the dwarves in Snow White were more like the fantasy dwarves. Like, mining in the mountains, fantasy dwarves, right? But were they actually... People clothes. So do dwarves. That's... <laughs> I don't know. Let's step away from this landmine. I'm too intrigued, I think. <laughs> like... So oh. we're gonna cut here while I Google what the dwarves in Snow White were. Do the dwar- the dwarves in like Lord of the Rings and stuff mm. are they considered to be like an like an offshoot of like people? No, they are fantasy. They are entire. They are made by Aule, the god of smithing. They are a completely separate fantasy race of people that are not anything to do with elves or humans. Do they like eat food and like they eat food? Yeah, okay. the same way that elves and humans and orcs and everything eats. They eat, but they were made of fire and stone. And what were humans made of? Can't remember what humans are made of, or elves. I just know that they were made, put on the put on on the planet, and then woken up. And the dwarves woke up in the middle of the mountains, and they started mining from there. Oh, so they also mine like Snow White's dwarves. Yeah, famously, the um uh, one of the major Rings of Power plot points is Kazadoom, the mines of Moria, and how they're going to one day collapse due to the dwarves becoming too greedy and mining to the center of the earth and waking up a Balrog. Not a Balrog. Mm-hmm, a Balrog. Gosh. I'm looking up the Snow White Dwarves. In what, what, what are you trying to find out? Trying to find out whether they were, like, actually just, like, human beings or fantasy dwarves. Right. Because I'm not sure. And knowing Disney and the time, it could be any which way. It Who could knows? definitely be anti-Semitic. It's, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you're right, but I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no. But, but Snow White, mm. Dwarves. What were they? God, I hope it's not. Especially, well, if you combine them with the idea of, like, being worried that the Dwarves are going to be too greedy and wake, wake up a Belrog... Um, okay, I'm just gonna fill this. I'm gonna fill this pregnant pause that was heading in an anti-Semitic direction. Anti-Semitic in the way that we were analyzing anti-Semitism. A live-action version <laughs> of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves will remove the safety net. Blah 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 blah. In the original, they are not fully people, nor are they fully fairy tale creatures. I'm sorry. What is what this? does that mean? What this, are you reading? Uh, I'm reading. Was there an eighth dwarf? I'm reading Google, Jake. Obviously, was there an eighth dwarf? Is Dopey a human? Here we go. James, what did you even Google? Like, dwarf This is the Disney wiki. Dopey, listen to this. Dopey and his brothers are evil. Dwarves who are allies with the evil queen, Snow White. What? That's the Disney Wikipedia. That is the Disney Wikipedia. I think that's like from, uh, that's like an alternate universe. Fuck this. I want to know about the dwarves. Yeah, but I don't, I think somehow you're the worst Googler in the world. You do it then, Jake. I want to know. How did you end up in an alternate universe what Disney Wikipedia? What are the seven dwarves? 
That that's what you're gonna type. What are the seven dwarves? <laughs> what are uh, they? Do I, do I, I dare I put in race? I don't. Um, right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm diving it in. And to again clarify, um, anti-Semitism is bad. Bad, very bad. As a prominent cultural portrayal, the seven dwarfs have been recently controversial among people with dwarfism. Um, like oh, I guess Peter they Dinklage are. Peter Dinklage and so forth. Yes, yes. The only famous dwarf. Well, I believe he has dwarfism. Warwick that... Davis is also a famous dwarf. I okay. love Warwick. Sure. Um, it looks like they are just people with dwarfism. Great. Okay. So that was a long walk to get to <laughs> our initial theory. <laughs> Great. Well, now that we've got that sorted, do you want to talk about some theatre? I'd love to. Thank you so much. I love all people of any height. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Disgusting. Yeah. The eighth dwarf. What would the eighth dwarf like have been? What was it? It was grumpy. We cannot continue no, you're to right. talk we'll about the we'll talk But the fact that they got to Doc, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Butcher. Unless Doc was short for something. And I, th- I like, think Doc was just like, you're in charge. Hey, Doc, what's up, Doc? Well, what? I don't know if they think what's up, Doc is a saying. I think no. the Looney Tunes post-date the Seven Dwarves. Do they? I think so. Yeah, I guess you're right. But also, does Bugs Bunny post-date Barbara Streisand's performance in What's Up, Doc? Was What's Up, Doc a saying before that rabbit I think it? it must have been, right? Why must it have been? Because there's a character called Doc in this, and don't they say What's Up, Doc? No. Oh. They don't. But I wonder if Doc is short for an adjective that's too offensive and then Doc compensated by becoming really smart. Why was... Like, I'm Googling again. Why was the seven dwarf Doc name? That's the Google. Do you see see how I don't think you're very good at Googling? (laughs) How the seven dwarfs got their names. Boom! Really, it wasn't because this one's grumpy, so that's what we call him? Yeah, but but then Doc. This is what we're trying to find out, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. 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 Okay, what I'm currently doing in my brain... Mm -hmm is trying to think of an adjective that has Doc in it. Um, all I'm, all my brain is trying to say to me is indoctrinatable. <laughs> okay, I'm tuned back in. Um, one of the earliest story documents in the mid-1930s had suggested a dwarf called Doc who is actually a doctor. So it does, it seems like it came from him actually being a doctor. The idea persisted for several months. Doc remained, Doc, what does that word say? Doc. Oh my god, I've never seen that. You oh, mind? That's, a, that's remained misspelt, I think. Oh, so it is remained. Yes. <laughs> Doc remained Snow White? That doesn't make sense, Jake. I think it's an actual word. Doc okay. E-mind. E-A-mind. Mm. Mm. T- right in. Tell us what that means. Snow White when she was poisoned by the witch. Yeah. Oh, examined. It's a misspelling. Oh, it's, got, it's missing an X. Okay. Examined Snow White when she was poisoned. Doc's stethoscope tangles up with his beard. Yeah, he was just a doctor. Yep. Oh, I, just wanna, yep. I just want to file my objection that... Um, that doc is not an adjective, it's a noun. Well! And, and that is inconsistent. Let's do another little break now because I don't want Emily Carr to think that this discussion of the Seven Dwarfs has anything to do with her bong, show. Bong, 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 Very good. I'll put the official one in now. Could you? All right, James, do not talk about the Seven Dwarfs okay, anymore. I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to the Motley Bow House. The Motley Bow House? The Motley Bow House. 
That is a fun musical thing to call a place. The Motley Bow House. Yes. I'm gonna go down to the Motley Bow House. One of these days, I'm gonna look into like the history of what a bow house is. I feel like someone tried to tell me the other day. Yeah, like yeah. I, it feels like it would be like an old. Surely it's just like an old tavern, or like yeah. where they used to go when the bows of the ships were bowing in the. <laughs> Yes, I feel like the, the pirates too would trail off when trying to explain yeah, what a Bauhaus mostly is. Mostly drunk. So Beige Bitch is Beige a show Bitch. that was on during Fringe at the Motley Bauhaus. Emily Carr wrote it and was in it. And oh. so we went in and we sat down and we watched it. And what it was, <laughs> was she did first off like this shticky thing of coming out and acting as if we were like an hour early for her show. So she wasn't ready. Endearing and delightful. Great. Then the show begins. And it's kind of like a seminar for people who are struggling with like realizing their full potential and trying to get them comfortable with the idea of embracing their mediocrity. I need to see that show. What, because you're so mediocre? I feel very mediocre. And you feel bad about your mediocrity? I do, actually, yeah. You do? I was just having this conversation with you about, before this podcast. About your mediocrity? My bo- like, I feel like I'm boring. Oh, but you, 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 didn't you say that you thought your life was boring? Just to throw everyone in James' <laughs> life under the bus. Isn't that, that, that's what you said. Uh, you, you, you don't yeah. think you're a boring person. Let's not get into this right now, but no, I guess you're right. Yes, my yeah. life is, that is me? boring. That, so that is me understanding what you said? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. understand. you got a brain. Yeah, you want more drama around you. Because you're built for, you know, to ingest some, some Dre Dre. Yeah, yeah, so guys, write in. Send me drama. Invite me to things. Let's go. <laughs> good, I guess you're also lonely, if that's... That too. Oh, oh yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, sorry for saying Dre Dre. I super wish I didn't. <laughs> no, I was ignoring it, but you brought it up. Um, I can tell. Uh, so- <laughs> So Beige Bitch. Beige Bitch. Yeah. So First of all, great name. Great name. Um, the, the promo imagery itself, it's like, it says, just to get into the nitty gritty, mm. it's like, it says Boss Bitch, and then she's crossed out Boss and written Beige instead. Oh, terrific. You know, so that's something that's that front loads you with sort of an understanding of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was honestly ready for it to be, before I'd thought about it at all or read any sort of synopsis, I thought it was going to be like an interrogation into, you know how there's this like, collection of people who consider Beige to be the fanciest colour to wear? Uh, sure, but I feel like they would call it champagne. Is that the same colour as beige? In my head it is. I think champagne's more of like a lighter yellowy colour, but it's all shades of beige, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, right? Sure. Like, well, I definitely know, and I think it's, not to sound sexist, but it's certainly like a, a bunch of women that I sort of know peripherally have embraced it as sort of like the, the go-to, if you don't want to just wear white or black, yep. beige is another like simple capsule wardrobe yep, item. Absolutely. And also like, like big beige winter coats are quite fashionable. Yes. yes. It makes you look like clean and mm. fancy. And it does. It does? I, I think it does. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah. It just makes me afraid of them. Why? Because I'm scared of rich people. It does make me, <laughs> it does make me feel, same. It does make me think of, um, uh, what is it? Autumn Christian girls, Christian autumn girls. You know, like those oh, sure. girls with, like the pumpkin spice lattes and like the big blowouts and they're all praising Jesus and they're all wearing their beautiful beige coats and they're all getting family photos together in their gumboots. Oh, their... like all those girls from like basic bitch memes. Yes, exactly. Exactly that family. Okay. Um, don't know why we're talking about them now, but yeah, those are offshoot of people that exist and that's what beige makes me think of. Okay, sure. Yes. <laughs> so I'm on the same page, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it seems that way. 
There was the same. Like, sorry, I'm on the same page. Carry on. Oh, well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, and so it was very much like a like a call and response thing in terms of like people had particular like tasks to do a little bit in the audience oh. as the show went on, like nothing overwhelming. And I had accidentally positioned myself very very well in terms of being quite unreachable in terms oh. of things that she required. People. Bravo. If she were to get me to stand up and participate, I would have to trample two people in order to get to the stage. And no one's gonna respect that. You're an ogre. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I was out of her reach, so she couldn't hand me anything. You guys, I really mastered this. What is she handing to people? Um, she handed someone biscuits at one point. Um, yeah, no. And there was like, yeah, times where people had to get up and do stuff. Is there like a bunch of... To to use food in a show, don't you have to do like a bunch of like paperwork to be like, I won't poison the crowd. Depends on the venue that you're at. And as long as you have like, uh, uh, the insurance that is necessary. Yeah, okay. Then it's I always find it interesting with that. Because when that, when, when I saw... Uh, fourth birthday party and they gave me that ice cream cake. I was like, that's interesting. Mm. I've never been given food in a show. Well, yeah, I was... You've never been given food before? In a show? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, not really, no. I don't think okay. so. But yeah, it was just like a weird... Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Well, I wonder what would, ha- like, would have happened if you were lactose intolerant because wasn't there a part where well, you had to eat the cake? Like, I don't think... They never forced me to eat it. They were just like, here you go. Have it. Yeah. But they never like came down and said, now we need to watch you eat this cake. Like, like I just had it. It's nice to think that they would have like expected you to advocate for yourself if you were lactose intolerant. Well, yeah, I assume if I were lactose intolerant, I wouldn't have had the cake. But but knows? I also think if I if I were lactose intolerant and I were like maybe even just a year younger, you would have I would have just the eaten the cake. Jesus. <laughs> I really don't want to ruin people's shows, James. <laughs> so you would just instead shit yourself. In the audience. Yes. That's how I understand lactose intolerance works. And that's what I'm going to settle with. So a woman. Handed it, oh, a woman. Oh. Shat herself at the restaurant I work at the other day. I can't get into details because I feel really bad for her. But it's a thing that I have to bring up and tell you. It's happening to people all over the place. If you've done it in a restaurant, don't feel bad about yourself. It's happening to people everywhere. I'm sorry. I'm stunned. Shat herself. At the table? At the table. Yes. Was she like, how old? A regular age person. Oh, I don't even know if I'm allowed woman. to talk to you about oh this. Oh my god, that I just can't think of anything more. Oh, Let it be known, I feel bad for this woman. Yeah, absolutely. I just have to tell my friend James. Yeah, and if we decide to keep this in the episode, you're welcome. Yes, I do not want to make this woman feel ashamed of herself. No. It's good that she's out there normalising it. Absolutely good for her, but oh my god, poor thing. Carry anyway. on. <laughs> she handed out biscuits, did she? Handed out biscuits, it was a whole thing. And there was like a, like a slideshow presentation. How do you feel about PowerPoint presentations in theatre? I, if it's done well, I love it. There was that PowerPoint we saw in that comedy sketch duo... The two lads from the VCA that were very funny. Finn and Lockie. Finn and Lockie. Finn and Lockie. Finn and Lockie, a show about me. Yes, that's the one. Thank you. They did a PowerPoint presentation that I remember saying was one of my favourite parts of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good PowerPoint presentation. So I think it can be done really well. Oh, great. So the moment you see... Also, on the the theme of PowerPoints, Mm. uh, Major Modern Musical Mm. was almost entirely a PowerPoint presentation. Great. Which I think worked really well for that. So I think, yeah, can be done well. The new, new Nine Live seemed to have really, you know, blown Connor's mind. Oh, yeah, with PowerPoints. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, good. So the moment you see a PowerPoint getting incorporated, you don't think, oh. No, no, I'm ready. And also, if I'm seeing Beige Bitch, my mind immediately for me goes like, okay, corporate. So I'm ready for a PowerPoint. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, sure. So that makes sense to Yeah, me. sure. Okay, so yeah. go on. Well, yeah, and she well incorporated that. Right, <laughs> that was, ah. and you know, and supported the idea of her running a seminar and teaching us about our media. Well, yeah, great. That sounds like a fun use. Yeah, yeah, um, good. It was just fun to spend time with her. She just like has a very nice, nice comic sensibility. Great. Yeah, it wasn't the sort of thing where it's like, ugh, 
your poor friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. For yeah. That. Did you go with anyone? Were you alone? I was alone. Stinky, there was a handsome guy behind loner. me. I was a stinky loner, mm-hmm. but there was a man behind me who was handsome. <laughs> and you built a life in your head? Uh, not a whole life. <laughs> but there was a world where I wanted him to lean forward, tap me on the shoulder and be like, you seem lovely. <laughs> And then he leaned forward, tapped your shoulder, and said, I'm just shit myself. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, that's comedy. Yeah. Um, so just some questions that sort of like she kind of posed in stories that she told. Um, and I will pose one to you now. Go on. Um, what do you mean when you say, which is a thing that I pe- that, you know, think people say sometimes. What do you mean when you say that you're trying to become somebody? Oh God! Uh, do you have an immediate answer for this one? No. Okay. What do you mean when you're tr- when you say you're trying to become someone? I guess if I were to say I'm trying to become somebody, I would probably mean I'm trying to become somebody that I I'm proud to tell people about my life. And I'm oh. not there. I don't think I'm there yet. Sure. But I'm headed in a direction where I'm happier about it. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's what it would be like. Like achieving things that make me feel joy and. Make me feel like I'm contributing to the world in some positive way. That's nice. Yeah, why? What do you God, think? even listening to you say that, I'm very worried that I just, like, part of me, I feel like I've been to a lot of funerals, mm. and I worry that I don't like it whenever I'm doing something or acting in a particular way, and then it occurs to me of, like, oh, will this affect how I'm summarised in eulogy form? Oh, isn't that something? Like, what if you died right now, what would people be like, Jake Stewart was a burden. And then there'd be a cheer, and then they'd toss my coffin into a creek. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Wrap it up here. Mm. No, they wouldn't say that. I think they would say, Jake Stewart was large and in charge. You know what, so if, what, when, if you say you're trying to be somebody. Um, yeah, I think it's a similar thing. It's like someone that I uh, am proud of like summarising. Sure, someone that you would like a eulogy to be said about. I suppose so, but I really don't want to think about that because of, like, the morbidity and also because of, like, that makes me feel as if we are all just trying to generate eulogy material with everything that we do. And that also Mm. frames our significance in the eyes of others, which is also sad to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary way to look at it. You've got to avoid... I guess that it comes back to the sort of don't judge your life based on other people's lives. Sure. Which is why social media is a curse. But I have decided to return to the world of Instagram for my mental health. You are back... You think Instagram will improve your mental health? Yes! That's I will not take any questions oh, good. anymore. Good, good, good. As long as you're not interrogating it. That's no, no. Um, Which I guess comes back to kind of this mediocrity thing that Emily was talking about. It's like, mediocrity by whose standards? Right. I guess mediocrity by... If you're making a show about it, I mm. guess mediocrity by a point of view where people coming to see shows would think it's mediocre. Sure, I'm not super clear on what question you're answering, <laughs> but I'm enjoying hearing you talk. <laughs> I've heard that many times. <laughs> um, there was another question of like, wh- which is connected to what you're saying. What do we measure success by? Money and bitches. Money and bitches. Yeah, so I'd say no. I'd say like how long the line of coke is. <laughs> <laughs> if it's from one side of the room to the other, I'm living a good life. No, I, I don't know, but how, how do you measure, how do we measure what success is? Yeah. I or, guess, again, the best way to answer that would be it comes back to your personal happiness, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's what I think personal success is. Oh, sure, be. so when you're successful, you'll be, you'll be happy. Yeah, if I'm successful in my life, I'm living a happy life and I'm feeling fulfilled. What makes you happy? Well, that's the thing, I guess, being on stage and doing stuff. Okay. And, like, going out with, with my boyfriend... And living 
Like, those are the main things, really. <laughs> That's mm. pretty much it. Okay. What about you? No, I don't know. I think I'm just definitely in the mindset currently where it's like happiness itself is not a constant. No, absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And I think embracing that has been helpful for my brain. Mm. Um, and so I think just continuing to try to like be a person that can attract and create happiness for myself and others, um, yep. which isn't success. That's just what happiness the experience of happiness, I suppose. I very much just want to continue to manage to be a person who's capable of happiness. Yes, And yes. turning, you know, the garbage of existing into things that make me smile. I think you're good at doing that. Sure, that's one assessment. <laughs> From the outside. That's, <laughs> right. that's great. Um, are you good at being bad at stuff? To come back to, like, what this idea of... What the fuck do you mean? At, uh, to come back to the idea of baseness and mediocrity. Mm. Um, are you good... Are you the sort of person, for example, are you able to stick with something if you aren't immediately good at oh, it? Oh, absolutely not. No? No, no I, I think during lockdown I tried learning guitar and I was able to do that because it was either that or stare at a wall okay um in the room we're actually recording in now that's fun um but no I I I, as soon as I start something if I'm not immediately good at it I am throwing it to the other side of the room and stopping I'm trying to get better at it Mm. because I need to because that's how you learn and I think that's part of the reason that I haven't been doing theater for so long because I'm so concerned that I'm bad at it now okay um but yeah, how about you? Are, you? are you good at, like, not being immediately good at things? You're very good at learning, I'll say. Sure. You have sure. Your own, You have a really good way of... You know how you need to learn, I think. Sure. Okay. I'm glad you think that. Mm. Sure. Um, yeah, I think as long as it's a thing that I'm legitimately passionate about, I think that I just run into trouble. Like, I'm very fine with looking bad at things. Um, I think I'm just also very good at, like, losing my passion for some things. Right. You know? Like, there's certainly, like, a hyperfixation ADHD thing of my brain. Which is like, oh, this, this is my new passion. And then I realized it's not really. It's just a thing that I was like intensely curious about. 100%, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, no, if I'm passionate about it, I'm happy to be bad. Because the self-loathing part of me thinks I like, like always will be. Wow. You know? ah, that's a way to turn that around. It's something. It's a way to spin it. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Great. Jay! Oh, yes. Is that fun? Do you like that energy? Oh, I wasn't sure if it was like a gay ghost. I thought Spooky Fringe might have been back. No, no, Spooky Fringe <laughs> will return. But no, that, I think that was more like a 60s camp villain. Oh. Ooh, I'm oh. Spooky. I guess it is yes. <laughs> It's come right back around. <laughs> Snuck up on you. Oh, no. Much like a ghost. Much like a spooky ghost. <laughs> yes. Um, I also went to see a show at Fringe this year. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Did you not? <laughs> well... What have we been doing for the past weeks? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to see The Whisper. Can you see a whisper? Don't well, get distracted. <laughs> can you see? I did. I, I did. I saw a show called The Whisper. Great. Uh-huh. That's clearer. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, it was a trade hall. Yep. Uh, written by Brody Murray. And it was, at the, you know, okay. So you walk, you walk through the main entrance of trades hall. Okay. You keep walking through that little courtyard. Yep. And then you keep walking into that building that isn't where the big fun hall is. <laughs> um, well, you, you know the big fun hall? You walk through the courtyard. Yes. And you walk into that next building. Yes. Yes. You don't where go the, right into where the bathroom is. You don't go right. You just, you go, just go straight, straight on. And That's then, where the bathroom is that I trust. Continue. That's a good fact for next time. I yes. wish I knew that. It's got that terrifying elevator. Have you been in that terrifying elevator? No, but I th- I'm quite certain that that is the one that Alistair Baldwin said was haunted. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. Great. Because we, um, I went to see a show with Georgie Potter, our dear friend. Oh, yes. Georgie, little, little shout Georgie. out. Oh, oh my God. Georgie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Such a crazy bitch. Um, anywho, <laughs> she's insane. She's insane. <laughs> so we went along mm. and up. Did you go with Georgie on purpose? <laughs> 
No. Because I wouldn't be caught yet. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, I went with Georgie on purpose. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. cool. we had a bunch of tickets and I was like, hey, who do I want to go and see shows with? Oh, and great. I know that Georgie's a theatrical person. A fantastic choice. So I like, sort of like, she was one of the people that was like, come and see a show with me. Yeah. And we're actually organising another theatre date, so that's kind of exciting. Oh, lucky Georgie. Luckily, l- lucky l- James. Lucky James, actually. Mm. Um, so we climbed the stairs up, which was... Have you been Wait, to this? Because you checked the elevator and it was. Well, too we didn't realise the elevator was there. Oh, okay. Do you, have you been to the top of this this area where that room is? Have you been up there? To what room? So, so it's it's maybe up five or six flights of stairs. Oh gosh. You remember going up there? Um, I don't know if Everest was at the top of the building, which they should have done for that comic effect. Would have been great. Sure. Um, I'm sure Everest was great, regardless of how really altitude it was. But also, Alistair has a mild muscular dystrophy, so they shouldn't be putting him up at the, like, the top of a building. Oh, that's quite nice of them to not do that. But again, I don't know if he was. I don't remember how many like floors I went up. I was anxious. <laughs> you would. I feel like you'd remember. It was like every time we got to the top of one of the flights of stairs, we'd be like, "What the fuck? There's another one!" And it just kept going. Gosh. It just kept going. Okay. So we went all the way up, mm-hmm. uh, and. We hung around. It's it's it's. I, I find this part of the trades hall weird because it feels it's like a classroom sort of area. It feels like it's a school almost. Okay. So, waiting around in this weird sort of hallway slash the mannequins in windows area. I don't know how to describe where we were. Okay. But there we were. <laughs> a little bar came up the elevator, which a is when we noticed bar. there was an elevator. It was like a little um, rolly trolley trolley, like a little trolley that mm. came along. Uh, which I just thought was a cute little touch, rolled out of the elevator, and that's when we realised we had an elevator and we should have taken the elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because you are not a staircase man. I'm not a walking man. No. I'm a sit-down-and-get-carried man. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Never works, but God, it'll be nice. Uh, yeah, we went in to see The Whisper. Mm-hmm. Sat in the second row. Mm. See the whisper. It's you can see the whisper because it's people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? <laughs> sort of. Uh, so yeah, uh, the second whisper- row. Second row. It's a small, intimate space. Like, like, like again, it feels like it's the size of like a high school classroom. Cool. And it feels like a high school class. Like it's, it's that sort of space. Mm-hmm. Um, black box vibes. Uh, minimal set. It's like a like a wooden sort of multi-purpose wall that they use to represent a few different things, and like one sort of cutout tree, which sort of stayed there the whole time. Okay. Uh, and we sit down, and the show starts, mm-hmm. and out comes Jaden Williams. And Benjamin Fay. Great. Um, and they are the two younger members of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Jaden is just... I've never seen him in anything. Um, but he's just got this really great, like, consistently... I don't know how to describe his energy. It's just very... Youthful, boyish, and sort of engaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the piece, it's sort of like the... I, I think the driving sort of force throughout the show... So it's a show, it's set in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, what was that reaction? No, no. <laughs> it did sound like I was laughing at you. Yeah, it did. Yeah, James, you don't know anything about the 40s. The 50s, maybe. <laughs> Out of your element, aren't you? <laughs> you silly bitch. Little 50s boy. So it's the story of um, mm. a First Nations family mm. having to sort of escape the township they're currently in to get to another area. So you know, 1940s. And First Nations, it's not going to be a happy story. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is, yeah. Um, Jaden plays uh, Riley. Um, no, Jack. There's Riley and Jack. There's two youthful characters. So Jaden plays Jack. Great. <laughs> JJ. I'm trying to remember my brain. Yeah. Um, who is the, the, the member of the family that sort of falls in love with a white girl in town. Yep. And the love goes back and forth and it's a very Romeo and Juliet situation mm-hmm. which then leads to, of course, the town sort of rejecting that family. Oh. 
and oh, then which family? The the First Nations family. Okay. Like the the main characters of the show. Yep. And of course they need to leave town because they start getting harassed by the police. Mm. They start being pushed out of the town. Um, and all um, the standard things of the time, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Uh, so they have to leave town to go to somewhere where they know there are more people who um, aren't going to kick them out. How is this story happening? Is it a bunch of characters talking to each other? or is it No, like... no, it's being acted out in front of us. So okay. it's, it's told... Just through dialogue, yeah. Because oh, it's not like direct address or anything. No, no, no. It's, it's actually no, there's, like there's no poetry. It's, it's, it's naturalism the whole way. Oh, great. Um, so the friendship between um, Riley and Jack, with the characters by Benjamin Fay and Jane Williams, they're sort of the youthful. I could I couldn't really figure out the relationships between the family. From what I can understand, I believe Riley was the. So there's another character who we'll get to, Nan Rose, played by Auntie Nell Flag, mm. um, and she's the mother of Riley, I believe. Mm. Um, played by Benjamin Fay, and Jack, I think, is their sort of adopted son situation. Like they've taken him in. Okay. Uh, or it's the other way around. I, I couldn't actually tell. Cool. Yeah. So, so the other one, Jack, mm. the one that isn't in love with the white girl. <laughs> yes, the one who yes. isn't in love with the white girl, Riley. Yeah. Got the name wrong again. Uh, right. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm stupid. Uh, Riley is sort of like a young football player. Yep. So he sort of comes on and he's full of. Hope, he's a bit naive, he's a bit young, he doesn't quite understand the dangers of what's going on and mm. why they have to move. Yep. Um, so the story sort of develops into uh, the, the trials and hardships of essentially Nan Rose getting these boys to another part of the country. Mm. And then them sort of, it, the whole thing is a dialogue between these, it becomes a conversation between the older generation and the younger generation and even just the sharp and quick changes that have happened in that short space of time. There was this really beautiful moment. So there's another character that comes out, I personally think introduced far too late and underused. <laughs> um, Greg Fryer, who plays Pop Ray, and he also does the voice of a policeman in the background. And mm. the first time you hear him is when he does the voice of this policeman. Oh, and he starts speaking and it is just immediately, I, I looked him, I, I read into him some more afterwards. He does radio mm. and he has the most incredible, commanding, deep, booming voice. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as he, he starts speaking, it was just, oh my God, where have you been my entire life? Mm -hmm. So um, he plays the, and again, couldn't exactly tell, but I understand the, the he, he plays the father figure, but whether he's actually the father to these boys, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but he's the one that sort of comes in and is there to help the Nan. Um, yeah, so there's this really beautiful conversation where he's with one of the younger boys and he's sort of, he's with, sorry, Riley by Benjamin Fay. He's sort of um, having this conversation about, it's just the simple things of him, the older man, growing up and sort of understanding how the country works so deeply and how the actual land like reacts under his feet and how he and his brothers and sisters would sort of eat the food of the land and Riley doesn't get any of this. Like he's already just doesn't understand because he's been raised in such a different way, obviously with a stolen generation. Mm. Um, and that conversation was so nice. I don't know. There's always something so nice about watching two men just have a really deep and meaningful heart to heart and watching the actors clearly talk about something that they felt so much deeply was really quite humbling. Mm. Um, yeah, because we hear a lot about people growing up nowadays and the difference between their elders, but to hear about the difference between youth in the 1940s, First Nations youth in the 1940s, and their uh, generational gap, and I guess the knowledge that was just lost, um, 
I guess I, we, I knew about it, but it's just so harrowing to see it hmm. spoken about. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was very exciting to see something that is such a, a like a like a such a very raw story told by First Nations people and the production team largely First Nations mm. by Deadly Fringe um, telling yeah such a like a raw piece of their own history I don't know it felt yeah I hadn't really seen much like that myself um, so, well, so what about how was it raw what did you think was raw about it I don't, well it just felt raw in that, in that it, was, it was very much like yeah this is what we had to do to survive like this is how we endured through some real shit times and I don't know I, that to me feels raw like raw I guess like that's exposing something that has been so scratched and rubbed and beaten mm. that you would probably want to cover it but no it's 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 up there for display like that's what raw means to me sure okay what do you think raw is Ugh. uh oh yeah no that's a fine definition no I guess even just hearing you describe this is like it just felt like a while now I just wish I, don't, ugh, I wish that we could, like, get a lovely building mm. and, like, give it to leaders in the Indigenous community and be like, you can be one of the main stages in Melbourne mm. and you can just tell Indigenous stories and and work out what it is for... Because obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a culture and a community that is, like, storytelling is so integral and mm. such, like, a linchpin of what it is that they've been doing for thousands of years. Yeah. You know? Like, to, to give them a chance to really kind of, like, take ownership of a space develop an audience base, develop a community of professional working artists Yeah. to to see what would then flourish in a space like that. That would be amazing. And of course I understand how kind of like, maybe like cold and, not colonial of course, but it seems to be something of like that being a relatively kind of like white Australian mindset of corporatizing and totally. commodifying something like storytelling. But I think it, it could do a lot of good for a lot of people. But and, it is and make... giving them a space in the actual, you know, zeitgeist of Melbourne would be great. Yeah. Like, like a, just a dedicated, this is, this is that space. Yeah. Which ideally is all the spaces, but... Sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fantasy in my mind, which would be cool to see. Yeah, I've got to say, it did feel a, it did feel a what little... What are you talking about now? When you say it, what are you talking about? The, well, uh, let me talk. Sure. <laughs> Maybe no. I'll reveal my words to you. Yes. It did feel a little bit uh, uh, sad to have to climb up all these stairs. It was tucked all the way at the corner. I don't know. It, yeah, it made me also feel, I wish this was on a more accessible and obvious space. Well, I guess it's fringe though, isn't it? It is absolutely fringe, but it was this was on the fringe of fringe. Like it was... Architecturally. I, well, that's what I mean. Architecturally and in terms of <laughs> me not wanting to walk... Oh, <laughs> in terms of being a lazy person. Yeah, that's what it seems like this point is. Yeah, that's exactly what this point is. And I agree with you. It should be a very accessible, easy to be carried into space. I'm glad that you agree with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you... You've sharply inhaled... No, I just realised I need to apologise for calling Frankie McNair Fanny McNair at some point. Yeah, mistakenly calling someone Fanny is a bit of a slap in the face. Pretty funny! <laughs> I'm sorry, Frankie, for calling you Fanny. Maybe let's put this at the start. At no, some let's point. leave it here. And then I'll add it to, like, the show notes or something. Yeah, gorgeous. You know, okay. just because I think it's cute to leave it tucked away. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Frankie, if you've listened this far in the episode, a little treat. Only the true listeners will hear about this. <laughs> I called Frankie Fanny for so long. I think I just said it at the start, and then I just doubled down. I just doubled down on calling her Fanny. Yeah. Why, I, I that's what you did. I don't know why I didn't question it, because Fanny's a silly name. Yeah, no, thank you, Matt Webb, for pointing out what thank happened. Thank you, Matt Webb. Blonde, Matt, Blonde Matthew, thank you very much. Is he blonde now? His Instagram name is Blonde Matthew. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, because he used to be blonde 
and then, you know, doing his tours. Um, yeah, no, you're right. We'll put the, the, fa- wait, what's the real name? Not Fanny. Frankie. We'll put the Frankie apology at the start of the next episode as well. Beautiful. We'll double down. Double down. Like you did with your betrayal. With my betrayal! <laughs> oh, Fanny is funny though. Fanny it is It sounds fun- like funny. Maybe you should be Fanny. I'll be Fanny. Frankie can stay as Frankie. Th- that's good of you. That was a very bold person. <laughs> um, so I went to the Butterfly Club. Great. Went downstairs. What a heavenly place to be. Do love that little lounge. Super nice. Mm. Yep. Went downstairs and then I was going to see Grass by Ryan Henry and Bronte Locke. Great. Full disclosure, I kind of know Ryan Henry. I think he's really wonderful and I could watch him do anything. He's got that fabulous moustache, right? He, for a while, had a moustache. Oh, okay. And now I think he's more stubbly than moustache. Great. Carry on. Yeah, good. But I'm glad we're keeping our fingers on that pulse. Do you know him as well? No, I've just, like, know him through, like, social media. I've never interacted with him, but I, I know of him. Oh, a classic gay tale. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so the two of them wrote the piece and are in the piece. Cool. And, like, from the get-go, first off, it's, like, the setup is great. There's a... <laughs> the set itself looks kind of like a high school reunion. The show itself, set at a high school reunion. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you mean it looked like a high school reunion? Like, there was, like, a trestle table. I've had so many... I've, I've been forced to think about trestle tables so much in the last five days. Why? What? Through the way my life works, through the plays I've been seeing, I've just been having to really come to grips with what? how I feel about these What's your things. relationship with trestle tables? Well, my recent epiphany about them was like, there is, like, whoever you are, if you angrily pound a fist on a trestle table, it's immediately hilarious. <laughs> sure. It undermines any of the rage Because that of why? Because, because of, of hearing a, that clunk and sure. then hearing, like, the it hinge a, in the middle. <laughs> it is a classless table, isn't it? Well, let's not make it classist, you dirty elitist. I said classless, be... not classist. But you wanted to talk about Can't class. Can't be classist without a class. You managed, considering you wanted to be carried into theatre spaces like Mariah Carey. On a bed. <laughs> um, I just think that that's a thing that I've recently realised. Okay, so um, Jake's really into trestles today. I'm not into trestles, I've just been forced to think about them. Sure. Like if Jennifer Aniston delivered that terrible monologue that she does in the first episode of like the fucking morning show, if mm-hmm. she like, pounded her big frenzy hands on a trestle table instead of a boardroom table, those men would not have changed their mind. You know I haven't seen that show. Uh, you lucky duck. <laughs> Unwatchable. Ooh, wow. bold opinions, anyway, I think. Um, grass. So it's the two of them, they're in it. They play a number of characters, but the ones we meet first, um, they're playing Arnie and Winnie. Arnie and Winnie, great names. Great names, um, yes. So it's the two of them, and they have like a friendly past with each other, but uh, anyway. So they're <laughs> friends. <laughs> we'll forget about that. <laughs> they have a past, but of course, you know, there's that distance that occurs, you know. So it's a 10 year high school reunion. Great, okay. okay? So they're there, we're kind, of, we're kind of seeing them see other people. At the high school reunion. Most of them for the first time in ages. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes, Gorgeous. and the two of them kind of like clinging onto each other. Have you been to any of your high school reunions? I was reunions? about to ask you, have you had your 10-year reunion yet? Because mine's... <laughs> no, 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 I only say that because mine's coming up. Mm-hmm. And so I assume, did you go to your 10-year reunion? No, I fully intended to. Intended to? Oh, that's what I was going for. Yes, Pretty it was good. a little number pun. I intended to. And then, uh, no, but then I got too anxious about it. Fair enough. It was too much. Like, yeah. I think it was like, there's so many things about my high school experience. As wonderful as it was largely, I just, I'm scared. Almost in the same way that Jack West was not afraid to reconvene his mother's funeral in that show. Mm. I just, at that point, was not ready to reopen the book of my high school experience. Because what year was your 10 year reunion? And add an epilogue to it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I wasn't ready for that. Um, that's very private. <laughs> oh, can you I graduated in 2009. 19. Ooh, pre-Cove. Pre-Cove. Good on ya. I don't know if that means more or less. <laughs> well, you could have enjoyed it. You could have gone. 
My, people recently I absolutely could have. Yes, yeah. no, but then I saw a photo of them all standing together mm. next to like my because I was school captain. Not to talk about that. Oh again. my god, you were the school. You didn't go, and you were the school captain. Yeah, a real what's kick that, in the what's face. The message that's sending to Claire de Lune. I don't know what your school's actually called. Uh, de La Salle. The same thing. Ah, uh, the message that sends is, oh god, Jake's really cool. <laughs> Nobody did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So okay. it meant then that the, the photo was accompanied by a piece of literature written by one of the vice captains. And it's like, I could have been, I could have been a little journalist that night. I could have written a little piece to accompany this photo. Like this what photo. a weird addition for the person to write. Why? why, why yeah. Why, what, what are they no, write? And look, he's not, a, he's not a writer, the man that ended up having to do it. And all, like literally, I have nothing against this man. Mm. He was a fine vice captain. But he said this line in the thing that he wrote, which I did not leave. I, maybe, no, I did. I definitely read the whole thing. But what stuck with me was more so a disappointing writing moment. <laughs> oh, no. Is he made the joke of like, oh, thank goodness there were name tags. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see? Disappointing. That seems a bit rude. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot all the names. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to research. God, everyone's so fat now. <laughs> so fat. Oh. Just so, just so fat. <laughs> Yeah, you should have written that. <laughs> Thank you. So large, you would have said. Uh-huh. Um, but yes. So then what ends up happening um, is <laughs> um, Gordon Grass attends. So that's the titular Grass. Oh, okay. Um, yes, oh. and he's like the hot guy. Like student? Or well, he was a student. Yes, and now okay. he's come back and he's like the hot guy from their class that has come back to the oh, reunion. hot, fun. Yeah. And so like Winnie's always had a crush on him. Arnie, being a gaybo, also has strong feelings for him as well. Right. And so that's like an ingredient that gets added. Right. And then you start to realise like, oh, they beef out the world a bit, like playing a tuck shop lady. And then playing oh. like Gordon's wife, Mimogen. <laughs> Mimogen! <laughs> really fantastic. Played by Ryan. And it was kind of like this horrendous, wonderful take on like the Reese Witherspoon character from Big Little Lies. Season one. Before the murder. <laughs> What's wrong? I don't know. I haven't seen Big Little Lies. Still, I know. Every time I say this, piece of information. I know. I know Meryl Streep screams. That's uh, yeah. Oh my god! And can we just for a second talk about how insane it is that they wrote into the script? So Meryl Streep joins the cast for season two, Mm. and then I think it's episode one. They write in that moment for her to just like let out the scream of her maternal grief, having lost her son. Wow! And it's like, what do you mean, wow? Just a great way to write that down, I think. What? I just think that's a cool, a cool direction in a script. Is that, that is not verbatim what the script said, but that is oh, a thing. I that fully happened. assumed that you had read the script. I wish mm. no, but that's what occurred. And to me, it just seemed like you've got Meryl Streep. You know that Meryl Streep's a good actor, famously, some would say. Some would say. And then instead of writing her an interesting scene to be in, you were just like, "Go on, do a trick." <laughs> I love it. You love it. I eat it up. She's done enough serious stuff. We know she's a good actor. She can now just do some fun things and have a scream. She's in an HBO drama where her son is dead. Yeah, scream. Uh, Yeah, no, that's not a fun thing. (laughs) I think that's fun. You think that's fun? I think hearing it, I think it's an impressive scream. I think it was a cool scream. (laughs) I'm going in because I haven't seen the show, so I don't know the context. I'm going in based on the scream alone. Sure. I hear her scream like, that's a cool scream. No one's saying the scream is bad. Mm. People are saying, well, Jake is saying. Have you seen the Instagram A Taste of Streep? Um... Is that where they photoshopped Meryl Streep onto food? Sure is. <laughs> That's my view. Uh, yes, no, Tiny David went through a spate of sending me photos from that Instagram I think page. he introduced me to that Instagram as well. Well, that... that <laughs> Thanks, Tiny David. <laughs> that little Portuguese dynamo really knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's onto something. He might be running that account. <laughs> what if it turns out that he was... I would love to know who's running the Liza Minnelli has outlived Twitter. 
Sure, that does seem stressful. Mm, yeah, it's a lot of information and it's a lot of checking every morning if Liza Minnelli is still alive. Yes. Oh my god, Aaron, Car- like Aaron Carter is dead and no one's talking about Who's it. Who's Aaron Carter? Aaron Carter, Nick Carter, like Backstreet Boys' Nick Carter. Okay. His younger brother, Aaron Carter. Oh. Who sang I Want Candy. Oh! Yeah. When? When he sang I Want when Candy. When did he die? <laughs> he died like four days ago. Oh my god. No one is talking about it. I found out from Heather McDonald, no one else is talking about this. Heather McDonald is a very important comedian. <laughs> anyway, okay. he's dead. No one knows about it. Well, this now... could be how these listeners currently are hearing this news. And that's insane. Why is it not in skywriting? Aaron Carter's dead. Guys, you heard it here first. He's dead. And he also had like, like a run-in with Michael Jackson. He was like a real defender of Michael Jackson. Oh. Yeah. But then now it's getting like, this, there's this whole thing happening where his memoir was getting written with a guy... And then... Who's Michael Jackson? Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Carter's yep. memoir. He was writing it with an author, like a writer. And now Aaron died. But before he died, he was like, actually, I don't want to release this. But of course, the writer has the manuscript. So what's Ooh! going to happen? Yeah. Ooh, that's inter- that is interesting. That's an MTC play is what that is. That is an ethical dilemma. It's an ethical dilemma. It's an ethical dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, um, so this play, Grass. <laughs> I don't like that every time something serious happens, we, we refer to the MTC. As if that's like the... Well, well, I'm just referring in this instance because that is one of those like... Th- th- like it's it's like a grabby, current, sort of like simple kind of like thing that you can just like... The synopsis is easy to write. Yeah, true. You can plonk it on stage. It's kind of fancy because it's literary so people will feel smart. Yeah, true. Yeah, and true. it's a thing that people will come in... It, 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 Didn't it's they t- do a show just like that recently? The one that you saw, like writing or something? But that was about... It, it wasn't about that, of course. But yeah, it was about yeah, writing. Yeah. Like it was a similar sort of vibe. Yes, the sound inside. Listen That's to nice. the sound inside. Listen to the sound inside. Oh, like, that teacher that wanted to write. Regardless of how many times you say the title, I don't think it means anything. Are you listening? Am I listening? To the sound inside. I'm t- doing my best. Tell me about grass. So it was um, it was really, really funny. And what was also really fantastic is the way that there were just like twists and turns and twists again. Like you think you know someone's motivation. It was the complete opposite. Amazing. Um, there's a murder. What? <laughs> there's a murder. You don't know who did it. You don't know why. And you don't know who was conspiring. Oh, because the promo imagery was like them holding a knife and a gun or something, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like... Who is seeking vengeance? How long have they been seeking vengeance for? Please don't tell me Mr. Grass is the one that dies. I'm not going to tell you. Oh my god, the t- I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. But someone super duper dies. Great. And it's gripping. There's a tuck shop lady. She's really interesting. I was going to ask, did you have any relationships with the tuck shop ladies at your school? Uh, oh, because um, you assume the gay people are really into yes. the female staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is true. Um, no, our, our canteen was run by a man named Bruce. And he had women working with him, but none of them were very constant. So not enough to establish a connection. Oh, Bruce. Yeah. And also, I don't think when I was at the front of the canteen line, I was never in the mood to, like, socialise. You were too busy filling your trough with slop. A little. Mm. And also, I was like, I just come from, like, a queue of boys I didn't necessarily know. Yeah. And it's already embarrassing to eat in front of people. And to ask for food. (laughs) I was very... (laughs) I've I've fixed some of those issues now. But at the time, it was very embarrassing to be like, Interesting. Could I have a sandwich? (laughs) Right. It's like, Jake, come on. (laughs) You don't need food. You're barely a person. You know you need food. I know that now. Mm. But at the time, I was very embarrassed to have a body that had needs. That prevented you from forming relationships with the tuck shop ladies. Because I was glad that I had survived a like line of potential bullying. Fair, fair. <laughs> and it was like, oh, God. And then you have to get through like, a transaction. <laughs> and then buy a sandwich. Y- yes. And then right. where are you going to eat it? In front of your friends? Do you want them to stop talking to you? You have a lot of opinions about eating. I do, and a lot of them were formed then because of self-hatred. Yep, no, it's starting to add up. So the, the show the was show. great because it was like tight and fast-paced, 
really funny. They did the thing, something that really stuck out was like, you know when it's this thing where people are attempting a style of physical comedy that they don't quite have the energy for? The way, like, you can see what they think their body is doing and you can see how it would be funny, but whether or not they're just like, their movements aren't sharp enough or they aren't moving quickly enough or there's something off about the way that they're using their body for comedy. It all sounds like you're gearing up to insult the actors a lot. No, no, it's like the opposite. Like, they accomplish things that I've seen people try to accomplish. Oh, wow, that's so nice. You know, it was like this great, th- somehow it like it married up. Because I feel like th- that type, I don't know if I'm describing it well, mm. but it, it, it seems like it's almost like a cartoonish style of acting. Almost like pantomime adjacent. I guess pantomime yeah. and kind of like the way that, that the, even like in the way that DreamWorks would animate a villain or something. Oh, wow. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Like, really, like, um, what's the word? Stylized and, like... Stylized, sharp, energetic, French. energized, all those things. Oh, so nice. So the two of them, it was just, like, it was great. Um, yeah, so that was impressive to witness. And it was just, like, yeah, the, the maintenance of this high energy that I had the entire time without it getting tiresome or shouty or the same, like, it... God, it, that's a real skill. It, like, yeah, it, like, ebbed and flowed. It was well-paced. Um, the drama made sense. Like, it was all cohesive. Mm. And every single character was, like, distinct and lovely and and fun to see um and yeah it was just Great. a really really impressive tight piece did you find out who did the murder of course oh. it didn't leave us unsatisfied james oh oh can you tell me who it was oh no oh catch it next time it happens it feels like the sort of show that can happen a bunch right i don't really know what yeah, that because the way you're means. describing it i want to see it because i did see the promotional imaging sure. and thought yes yeah. Oh, no. That. Well, yeah, I was just there for Ryan. And I was like, oh my God, this is a great time. Thank God. Thank God for Ryan. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank God for Ryan. <laughs> when was the last time you played Twister? <laughs> Sorry, it just came into my head. What? I don't know. It just, you know, when things just occur to you. Have you taken your meds? I've... <laughs> <laughs> That's for me to know and you to get gout. I guess I've already found out. Uh, uh, yeah, when was sorry. the last time I played Twister? So you know that thing of like, like ideas, uh, do, do ideas exist without us? Well, you know me. <laughs> ideas just pop into me head and I keep thinking. Seems a downright shame. Oh, so that is Mrs. Lovett. That is Mrs. Lovett. When very... did you last place Twister? It was super recognisably Mrs. Lovett. Oh, thank you so much. Well I love done. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go and see the Willie. Okay, Williamstown uh, Theatre Company. I think it's called. I'm not sure of the company mm. is doing a production of Sweeney Todd, but they got cancelled because they all got COVID. Oh no! So I do can't it. go and see Sweeney Todd, guys. I was going to go and see it, but I can't do it. But that is a bit of a blessing because I don't think you were able to get there. Is that the one you weren't able to get to, or was that no, Chicago? Was, no, Chicago was the one I was unable to get to. Oh sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you could have gotten to Sweeney. I could have gotten to Sweeney, but it was cancelled. Due to COVID. Yeah, which is a real shame because I wanted to see that show. I was thinking the other day about... Because it, it happened to a friend of mine a couple of years ago where he was meant to be in a cabaret by himself, of course, and he got sick and had to cancel the entire run. Ugh. But I was just thinking, for some reason today, was thinking about, like, I want to see him try. <laughs> While he's sick? Yeah. I wanted to oh get up there... Oh my God, you horrible man. With his cold. No, of course he'd have to sign off on the idea. Mm. But, like, get up there with your cold and sing this cabaret. That's, I mean, that's definitely an idea there, isn't it? I'd want to watch it. Yep. I'm sick of perfection. I'm sick of people striving for, for like, perfection. Bring on your issues. <laughs> I guess if it would be interesting, because if, if the actor signed off, and then I feel like surely you would do damage to yourself if you performed while you that's, were sick. Well, that's why the actor would have to be okay with it. Well, yeah, but, like, watching that actually happen, there is a sort of part of me that would feel like, I don't want to be complicit in this. Well, sure, but they're not complicit. Like, they're just doing it. They'll do it regardless of whether Yeah, but I would come. feel complicit regardless. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. like, you have to overcome that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or, oh. or just don't come with me. The last time I played Twister would have been, like, when I was in high school. Like, I don't remember playing Twister since then. 
Wow, okay. Yeah, why? Do you have a recent Twister memory? No. Have you seen, like, those Halloween costumes where they have, like, the, the spinny thing and it's, like, all the colour red and the colour red is on their crotch? That's funny. That is funny. That's, it's like a mistletoe. But I think more I aggressive. saw one or two of those. Okay. Halloween. This Halloween you saw that? Yeah, like, a few friends on social media had oh, it. Oh, okay. But I, I haven't played Twister. That just reminds me of that, like, the larger girl in the hot chick where she was wearing that dress with the, with the spots on it. You know I don't know what this is. I think if I ever got a mansion, one of my rooms would have, like, a twister board. But it would be underneath, like, a glass, like, protection. So you could have grip. Because I think one of the worst things about twister is the way that the, the mat bunches up. But isn't that sometimes useful? Because you can, like, put your foot out and then, like, drag the dot a bit closer to you. It feels you. like cheating to me. Is hey, that not cheating? I mean, it depends on the rule book you're playing with. But I used to play, like, you could grab it and move it. Also, Twister is just... It's just an excuse for horny teenagers to touch each other. I've never played Twister with someone I was attracted to. Oh, really? In my I whole stupid life. That's so unfortunate. You yeah. missed out on it's a real... It's devastating. Yeah. It yep. feels like a thing that you just get to have as a person. You could do that now. Like, you could still do that. We can still be, like... Horny people touching each other on Twister boards. Look out, everybody. Come on. <laughs> we're going to have a Praise Dionysus Twister party. Come on now. Um, well, we have another episode to record. We super do. We should probably get on to that. <laughs> okay, let's do um, that. Um, uh, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes. Uh, yes. Friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Yeah. 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 Good point, James. We have an Instagram. We have an email. They are both Praise Dionysus at their various locations. Yeah. You know, yeah. Modify it as necessary. And as we are now exiting the fringe season, let us come and see your shows. Send us things. Yeah. Send us tickets. We will see your show and then talk about it. Yeah. We can't wait. Yeah. Okay. Let's record another episode of this. Okay. Okay.